guys. Welcome to the second episode of Vamoose. Um, I'm your co-host, Juliet, and here's Sophia. Hi, I'm your other co-host, Sophia Chulo. Our podcast is about interesting people with interesting stories. We want to share and discuss amazing things people have accomplished. Juliet is going to talk about who we're going to talk about today. So, today's interesting person is someone you've probably never heard of. His name is Victor Riscovo, a man who's managed to live multiple lifetimes in just 54 years. But a quick Google search of this private equity investor and businessman isn't the most accurate picture of this record-breaking explorer. So Victor Riscovo was um, and still is a private equity investor, and he made so, so much money from this and is a very wealthy man. He also served as a naval officer. But then he made quite a switch and became an explorer. Uh, He summited the seven highest mountains in the world and skied both the North and South Pole. He is one of only 38 people to complete these feats, and it's called the Explorer's Grand Slam. Then he moved to the world's oceans. He reached the deepest points in all five of the world's oceans, as well as visiting the Titanic. The deepest point on Earth is the Challenger Jeep, and it's about seven miles down in the Mariana Trench. So just to give you um, a little background information, most of the deepest points of the ocean, their floors have never even been attempted to reach by another human being. Um, So obviously this was a huge record-breaking event that happened very recently, and in my opinion, does not really get enough news coverage. Um... Sophia, you want to give us a little more background information? Yeah, of course. This this guy definitely does not get enough recognition for everything he's accomplished. And, you know, that switch from businessman to explorer, you know, kind of seems wild and, you know, such an extreme explorer that he is. So his inspiration really came when he was um, 23, went on a trip by himself, and he saw Mountain Kamanjaro. And his tour guide was actually said these exact, quoting him, said, you know you can climb that, right? And he was like, what? Like, that's crazy. And he was like, oh, my gosh, if I want to climb it. So he did. And then, you know, he really fell in love with climbing mountains <laughs> and exploring. So that's kind of how that transformation happened. Uh, beyond his, you know, exploration and being, you know, physically capable of so many things, He's very, very, very smart. Um, He went to Stanford and actually graduated a year early. He double majored in economics and political science. He's currently fluent in two languages and can understand four languages. He is also a licensed pilot to fly airplanes and helicopters. And he spent decades as a naval officer, as Juliet mentioned. Um, And he as well as earning a degree from MIT in defense and arm controls and an MBA from Harvard um, for business. And, you know, now he runs a private equity company and he also sold a startup company to monster.com. So he has a lot of success in the business world and many academic accomplishments as well. Yeah, this guy just does everything. Um, just a few more facts to hit you guys with, um, just to help you guys understand the challenge of reaching the deepest point in all the world's five oceans. Um, this submersible 
has never been um, achieved. It has a very unique structure. Um, I really encourage you guys to like look up an image because it is such a cool looking um, um, submarine. And so it needs to uh, endure 16,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. Just so we all understand for comparison, um, normal sea level pressure is about 14.5 pounds per square inch. Mm -hmm. Um, And U.S. nuclear submarines can dive to about 1,600 feet and can only endure about 700 um, pressure per square inch. And... Sperm whales, which are very large whales known for kind of diving very deep, can dive to about 3,300 feet and survive about 1,500 PSI. So 16,000 pounds of pressure is an enormous accomplishment Mm -hmm. um, scientifically and technologically as well. Um, It's not just about, you know, his own bravery, which is definitely... And it is a very expensive expedition. He devoted many years of his life towards this, used very complicated mathematics and engineering techniques along with the help of others, just like Sophia said about his intelligence. Um, But he actually spent $30 million on the submarine and $20 million buying the ship needed to deploy it. And in addition to that, he has countless other costs that, you know, we don't really know too much about, but we do know he pays um, a crew. And I just, it's amazing how he has all this much money. Um, But it is interesting to me, you know, how he chose to spend it. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he could pay for all of this as well as his other endeavors is just wild. And how can someone have so much money? Like, that (laughs) just seems, like, insane. Like, to pay over, like, a lot over $50 million um, for this one trip. Like, imagine that times five. Like, that's just, like, really wild to me that someone could have all this money. And, you know, Juliet's going to touch into this later or maybe now. But just talking about, like, someone having all this money, you know, is it giving them too much power? Yeah, it is really interesting because while um, I personally think it's so cool that he did this Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's really important. He discovered 40 new species and he actually allowed a lot of it would made major developments in the science sphere. Um, and I think that's really interesting to me um, because honestly, like this is something that scientists have been studying for years and trying to map out the ocean's floor. Mm-hmm. And this guy who just comes in with like a business degree, like makes ch- like changes scientists lives kind of like they yeah. really, it helps them mount, um, you know, and the size of the places that he map, he helped map out, um, and as well, he took some samples from the soil um, that scientists used in laboratories to make very important um, advances. So this actually has been called in articles, and I think it is a fair assessment to say it's one of the most ab- advanced and ambitious expeditions in history. And I think mm-hmm. that's really interesting for that to happen and for us all to not really know what's happening. Um, especially, you know, it's happening now. Um, yeah, (laughs) I mean, a lot of things are happening now, but, (laughs) um, another thing that Sophia was saying about the power, I think is really interesting. And it kind of, I remember, you know, asking her about this, um, should the wealthy yield this much power? And I was thinking about like other wealthy people as well, because obviously me, I, you know, I'm really amazed by what he did and I feel like it was a valuable uh, way to contribute to society but 
you know, there's a lot of other people with power. Um, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, you know, all those sorts of people. What do you think, Fia? Yeah, I mean, I think he really used his money to, you know, help everyone and help science. And, you know, it benefited the world. But you can't expect everyone with that much money to, you know, necessarily use their power for good. You know, there's this idea of, like, when can you determine if it's really doing good, you know? And how can you control what these people are doing with the money if it's giving them all this power? So in this instance, I think his, you know, him exploring all of this did a lot of good uh, for the world and sciences, scientists. Um, but as she was saying, like, he's not the only rich person. Like, you know, bad things can come of people who have too much money because they have too much power in society. And they can, you know, pay anyone to do anything. So who's really dictating what those people with the money are paying them to do? You know, how they use it is is really hard to regulate. But, you know, it can be used for good. So you don't want to just say people shouldn't have, you know, power. But you don't want them to use it for bad, obviously. So there's a, com- there's a paradox there. It's a complexity. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of different perspectives you can take from this. Um, because especially from a more... Um, economic perspective it is amazing um just how so many people mm-hmm. are in almost in an abundance of money i remember reading somewhere i don't this isn't entirely fact checked um but i do remember reading somewhere that bill gates i believe or at least one of the few richest men of the world don't have enough like they literally do have very few things they could realistically spend their money on that would exhaust all of their money. They literally have, like, an endless supply of money, which I know sounds ridiculous, but it's true. And um, it, it also is bringing me back to that, that this game show where they bring billionaires on and they bring, like, ramen noodles and be like, how much is this? And they have, <laughs> they have no idea. And they'd be like, 35 bucks. And you, they were, and you just, like, they have no concept. Like, they yeah. don't know. And I think it's really fun, but at the same time... You know, kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, like there are some people who 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 could use a little bit of that money, um, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, but I do think it's interesting that, you, like you said, they don't have any check mm-hmm. on power because they they don't. There is no way that we can control them. They're private individuals with the power of world leaders, essentially. If you think about it. Yeah, and I mean, who would be checking them? Like, who says, you know what? Once you make this much money, now all of a sudden I get to dictate where your money goes. Like, you know, this guy. He, you know, grew up with his parents' divorce and his dad, he lived with his dad who was just like, you know, a regular commercial real estate person. So, you know, he really earned the money. You know, he went, he got an education and he worked for it and he studied for it. So who's really to say like, actually, now that you made all this money and did all this work, I'm going to tell you how to use it. You know, who would be checking it? How would they check it? It raises so many other complex questions. It's really, really hard to answer. Yeah, um, how, w- how would we possibly address this issue? You know, if we decided that it was an issue, which I mm-hmm. frankly think we, a lot of people would push back and be like, well, they're using it for good. And I mean, I, again, do mm-hmm. think that a lot of people are using their money for good. I mean, a lot of people aren't. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, it is kind of like, it's a slippery slope. Cause, yeah, slippery slope. Um, and even the degree that good action, uh, good intentions doesn't even mean good behavior. You know, there's mm-hmm. a difference. Um, and honestly, I was just looking things up and 
Um, Bill Gates, I mean, again, I, I, he's just so easy to bring up because he's so known for um, his charity involvement and how, you know, well he treats um, a lot of different people. And I think that's really interesting because obviously that's very good. You know, he... He has all of these charity organizations kind of that he funds and, you know, he has the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, and I know that he spent one billion dollars in climate change. Um, mm-hmm. And that is that is insane. That is, again, government levels. These these individuals have the power of a government. It's like having a president, except no one elected him. Um, and I just think that's really interesting. And when you put it like that, that shines it in the worst light almost. You know what I mean? Like it makes it sound like, yeah, <laughs> that, that's the bad, that's the bad perspective of it. And, um, but in some ways I, you could argue the government is very inefficient. You know, yeah. me and, me and Sphere are an AP gov. So we definitely get a load of that. Yeah. Um, we're touching into a lot of different things here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, cause the government I mean, if you even think about space and sort of that perspective with Elon Musk, I'm trying to bring up other millionaires, other billionaires other than Bill Gates. Um, he is competing with NASA now for, with SpaceX. So they are kind of instituting a competition, which mm-hmm. is interesting. And maybe will make the government a little bit like, oof, um, there is someone controlling the government now, you know? So it is interesting. And it, now I'm thinking about, you know, politics, rich the richest influence on that. Yeah. Um, and also, as you were saying, you know, Elon Musk is kind of competing with NASA about this space thing. That kind of brings up the thing of, you know, now everyone's kind of trying to tap into the space aspect and, um, you know, kind of leading into our next question. Is that something that, you know, we should be focusing on as a nation or around the world? Should we be focusing on tapping into the ocean and discovering everything? Is that of the most upward importance. Yeah, again, um, some people definitely feel like they're taxpayer dollars. You know, it's a, it's a waste of money. We, well, I won't make any references, but I do know someone who believes that we're literally shooting money into space. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, but there's some people who, you know, really feel passionate about scientific endeavors and things of that nature. And I, you know, again, see both sides to this. But yeah, the question is, what is more? Is it more important to channel that money on? I don't know. I guess just other things. I, yeah, I like is investing in space and the ocean worthwhile? You know, is that the most important thing we should be addressing? Um, what do you think? I don't think that it's the most important thing that we should be addressing. I feel like currently in today's time, we have a lot going on uh, domestically in America. <laughs> yeah, it's safe to say. Yeah, underestimate underestimation of the year um but globally as well you know there's a lot of things that we need to work out but i wouldn't say that it's necessarily a waste of money i think we can it's important that we do get there i just don't think it's you know a priority at the moment you know it's important that we you know we can learn so much from exploring even about like our own our own selves and how the world started and that can really impact us so i don't think that you know we should never look into it, but I don't think it's, you know, the top priority for us. I, you know, I know it's a very easy thing to push aside, and I, I do believe that there are issues more important worthing, uh, worth addressing, but I don't think that we're addressing those issues anyway. So from that perspective, um, I do think we should kind of focus more on, or at least give proper funding to space and, 
um, to the oceans and honestly just to the environment in general. I know that is a different kind mm-hmm. of thing. It just space and oceans kind of reminds me of the environment. Um, just because I think things are tied together and this is going to sound a little silly, but I think fields are related in ways that we don't necessarily know. Um, just mm-hmm. like, I feel like, and this is, I'm just, um, you know, climate change actually helps bring about pandemics, which is a very weird, um, connection, but, you know, scientific endeavors do have value, um, and so I just, you know, I think that's a really interesting, you know, I can see how easy it would seem silly to yeah. try and invest, especially when you think actually about climate change, investing in space might be a good idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> we might need a planet That's B. what I'm saying, could impact you, you know, impact it's, human life. And, and discovering new species. I mean, like, I think to me that is amazing. And the fact that we don't know that much about 70% of our world, which is the ocean, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, um, when you said earlier the thing about funding, you know, that raises another question is, is the government really putting (laughs) money in the right places? Are they overfunding some areas? I personally think that um, the government's budget is not very well organized and there is money being funneled into, you know, areas where they don't need that much money or the money is not being used in an efficient way. They're paying for things that you don't need. It doesn't need to be that expensive, you know. So redistributing um, funding is something that I think the government should look into on a broader level, not even just for space. But I do agree that there should be funding for space and ocean because they are important, even if they're not the priority. Um, So, yeah, funding is a really interesting part to mention. Um, So... I guess the question on everyone's... Do you have any questions on about anything, you know? Wondering about anything? Um, you know... I'm just, you know, interested in, like, how someone has so much passion and motivation to do this. Like, I don't know if I could have, you know... Because one of his trips, I forget which of the mountains he went to, um, he you know, had a very near-death experience. You know, he he was very ill, but he wanted to continue. And he does all these amazing things and he puts his life at risk. Like, the bravery that he has and then the endurance that you have to have to keep doing it is insane, you know? I know, yeah. It's just like, what? Like, I don't, I honestly don't, I think people, you know, people can't really do this, but he's one in a million. Hey guys, sorry, I just got cut off there. So here's a quote I really like um, from the Dallas Magazine. If you were to draw a Venn diagram of people who want to dive seven miles underwater, people with the skills to test pilot a deep submissible, people with the means to fund the most technologically advanced ocean expedition in history, and people willing to devote several years of their life to such an expedition, you wouldn't find many names in the middle. But Viscovo qualifies on every count. Yeah, that's a great quote. And you may be wondering what he's doing now. He's taking a significant amount of time off of work this year, but he's still working um, as a partner at Insight Equity Holdings in South Lake, as well as being a chairman for four other companies. Thank you guys so much for discussing this, and see you next episode on The Moose. Bye!